I think it's kind of the disintermediation of of these rights that are kind of it's like all kind of coming apart to come back together again and some other thing. I think if anything, it's going to come full circle and we're going to be right back to broadcast television. Welcome to another edition of the Columbia University Sports Podcast, The Cusp Show, where we talk about the business of sports, media, technology, disruption, broadcast, streaming, all kinds of things. I'm Joe Favorito here at the end of August 2020. No, no, no. End of July, Joe. Sorry, at the end of July, so quickly. <laughs> I'm Joe Favorito. We're here at the end of July 2023, not yet quite August, with my co-host, Tom Richardson. Tom, how are you enjoying the summer of soccer? Well, I was going to say the summer of soccer, but also the summer of relentless heat. <laughs> yeah. uh, just having heard the the uh, the stat that we're breaking a record in our human history of hot weather, and uh, we're in the middle of a heat wave, of course, here. Uh, in, well, most parts of the country are, but in the Northeast. Uh, but yeah, it's been really intense, and <clears throat> summer's going well, and uh, I'm really glad the World Cup is on right now because, so, as you know, summertime can be slow with in the sports calendar. This is really exciting. The only drag, Joe, is the time difference. So, as you know, for the group stage, U.S. women got two primetime slots last week and a couple days ago. Um, but I just read the story, which I'm sure you know, we're not the story, but the, the circumstances that if, if the cards don't fall the way that we want them to, they may not be back in primetime. For the next so, round. Very funny you mentioned that. We are here on the Friday, the last Friday of July, not August. Because uh, if it was right. the last Friday of August, this would already be over. But yes. I had heard through a friend of mine in the media business at one of the rights holders saying that the American rights holders had actually gone to FIFA and said, hey, by the way, think we can move the time? And they said no. Yeah. So, well, I know that was speculated, and I think everybody's yeah. anxious to see where this lands. So the big game coming up next week, the, the pod mm-hmm. will be out after the game against yeah. Portugal, but that will determine yeah. whether we continue. But, you know, Joe, that coupled with the excitement around MLS and Messi um, and kind of this re- rejuvenation, I would say, of this whole Apple relationship <clears throat> that we've talked about many times is really exciting to see. This is kind of the summer of soccer so yep. far in the sports yep. business. And I can't remember the last time I said that. Uh, yep. maybe well, never. it's certainly not in New York, the summer of baseball, um, which by the time you anybody listening to this, the trade deadline will be over and the Mets will have probably traded most of their team away like they did. And I just want to bring this up really quickly because I have, for some reason, I'm a glutton for punishment and notice this on Wednesday night, David Robertson was getting ready to come into a 2-1 game when it's or one one game when it started to rain and by the time the rain delay came back he had been traded and could not come back in the game. Is that right? I didn't yeah. see. That. Sorry, yeah. that's crazy. So, wow. So, yeah. Anyway, but that's that's baseball, and we're going to talk a little bit about baseball and media and all different kinds of uh, things, the evolution of where we're going, innovation for sure, uh, a little bit of disruption with our guest today, someone you worked with at the NFL, someone who I've crossed path with, paths with, at places like. Madison Square Garden and the NBA and Fox uh, and someone whose father also has deep ties to Madison Square Garden for for various reasons. We can touch on that as well. But Bill Bergevin, the head of marketing and creative at the Yes Network. Welcome to the Cusp Show. Thank you for having me. Great to see you guys. Hey, Bill. Good to good to see you and reconnect. Um, Lead us off, Tom. Yeah. So 
You've had quite the interesting career in sports and sports media. And I'm I'm having kind of had a similar trajectory just in terms of the evolution from the 90s when we were both at the NFL. Your experiences at NFL, Fox, the agency for a couple of years, and then a long run at NBC Universal Comcast, you've kind of gotten to watch the the evolution of the sports business that is nothing short of spectacular. Think about how it changed so much since we first met in 1994, almost 30 years ago, which is crazy. So why don't you just kind of touch on how your career unfolded, keeping in mind kind of the changes that occurred with each uh, with each opportunity that you spotted, well, it it, it goes uh, it actually goes back further. My my first internship, uh, senior year of college at, at the American University, was working with a guy who just uh, opened uh, hung a shingle for his first sports marketing agency, a guy named Brian Redman. I don't know if you know that name at all, um, and his first client was Home Team Sports, uh, which uh, you know was the um, the home of you know the uh, dare I say the Bullets. Mm-hmm. Wizards, the Caps, uh, and the Orioles, um, and but but at that point they were just adding a twenty four hour feed. They were getting all this indicated programming. I think through I think through Group W and Prime. Those were the Prime feed first came into play. At that point, when I got there, it was pretty much like uh, school closings and Auto Trader during the day, and be like, "Oh, there's the Orioles game." Do you want to talk about like that that sort of arc now to where we are? is really amazing. No one had a computer on their desk. There was, it just, you know, uh, not to date myself, but. Bill, were those the days, so you were there right before NFL? I, I was there. That was uh, my my internship in college. And then I, uh, and Joe was alluding to, uh, I got back from college and, you know, now I want to be in sports. And my father, ironically, was team dentist for the New York Knicks, which is probably oh, the oddest so office to, uh, uh, role you could possibly have. But but he was for many years under, you know, got brought in by Red Holzman early, early days. And uh, he said, go talk to my friend down at the uh, season ticket office. Next thing I know, I'm selling season tickets for the Knicks and Rangers in, in 1991. And, you know, they got uh, uh, Messier on the Rangers and Pat Riley to coach the Knicks. And I never made more money. Uh, it took me the next five, six, seven years to earn as much as I did on commission selling tickets. <laughs> well, timing is everything. So then how did you get into the NFL just out of curiosity? I don't know. Uh, well, the 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 woman I worked for at the Garden, uh, named Susan Marinoff, um, actually actually fired me. But Ooh. she did. This is like one of the the best the best bosses I've ever had. She took me out to lunch one day, and she said, "Listen, I'm firing you." Or like manner of speaking, and she said, "Not really, but you got to you got to go. You got to get somewhere." And I ended up, I said I wanted to work on, on the Olympics and, and on World Cup, ironically, as we sit here in 94, uh, and ended up at a sports marketing firm um, uh, working for for kind of Mike Reisman and, and Chip mm-hmm. Campbell and Tim Smith, ex-PGA, deputy commissioner, working on, on uh, you know, Atlanta Olympic Games and uh, World Cup 94, which is fantastic. Uh, and then, you know, next step was, do I go back to school? As you sit here, you know, Columbia would have been a fine find it uh no way would I ever gotten it but um and, and or or you know I'll, I either go back to school or work for a league and uh it turns out that Susan Marinoff uh, one of her dear friends David Newman was over there and wow. said he's got a job job open uh why don't you go talk to him and uh 
And next thing I know, I'm working for the NFL, working for David and Don. Wow. So wait, you know, the way I met Reisman, who's a longtime friend, was when he was in the agency that was helping the NFL. What was the name of that agency again? Well, the one I, I and I, I hesitated to say the name because it, it's its acronym was ISIS. Uh, okay. So I think it was International Sports and Entertainment Strategies. Then he went on to do, I, I, he sold that and then uh, Clarion. and or, or Yeah, Clarion and Vel- Team Velocity, Team Velocity, Epic. Yeah. Yep, Team That's Epic. Right. And, you know, he's he's gone through various permutations. But yeah, it was early days. It was uh, it was a lot of fun and, and there were a lot of interesting people working at that agency. A lot of smart people. Yeah. Well, you can say the same thing I say to my students, which is I, when I started at the NFL, there was no internet. And when I left, it was kind of a big deal. So um, yep. anyway, yeah, just just touch on some of the um, highlights as as you kind of evolve through the business, getting it over Fox and things like that. By the way, I, I love, I love, especially given where you guys were at the NFL, just kind of randomly mentioning Don as like, hey, right. Don, <laughs> right. Don Garvey now, the longtime commissioner of MLS. And you know, I, I actually started to make a list of names that you just rattled off, Bill, and it's it, it'll be too long. Yeah, we should do a show, Tom. Where we just start with names mentioned and just yeah. go for an hour and a half with people who just. I won't drop any more names. Significant drop names. Drop. Well, based on our tenure in the business show, this is going to be the new SBJ fifty over fifty list that we're going to love propose. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll start. I'll start uh, my my uh, submission today. Um, exactly. Yeah. So, so from there, I started working on um, uh, programs that obviously the Super Bowl, notwithstanding, uh, you know, working with with the folks over at ABC and uh, and and some of the other um, broadcasters, and thought, boy, you know, TV sh- could should be a really interesting place to to be. And I was actually offered. I'm gonna. There's a little bit of paraphrasing, but for for entertainment purposes, I was pretty much offered two jobs at, at one point, which was at the same time, which was to be marketing manager for the then brand new bowl championship series at ABC or at the same time was offered the position to be director of marketing to launch Fox sports net Detroit. And needless mm-hmm. to say, look, I'm, I'm from, I'm from the tri-state area. So which one do you take even, yeah. let's say it's even money. Which one do you take? Uh, um, career wise. Yep. ESPN. You take the ABC role, right? Yeah, yeah. I or to- ABC. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, no, it's I, I I took the Detroit one because I thought you know I actually the guy another name Kurt Schneider who hired me. I don't know if you remember him, but I you know he said, hey, come come launch this, and if you do a great job, and I think if you are who I think you are, I'll, I'll bring out to corporate. And again, this is like early days RSN. Um, you know, it was just when Fox was out there just trying to get as many of them as they possibly could. And I said, well, how do I know I can trust you if you're going to pull me out to L.A.? And he said, you're not betting on me. You're betting on you. I said, OK. Uh, and and I thought the opportunity to be either uh, to be a bigger fish in a smaller pond uh, mm-hmm. and basically be the head of marketing of something still attached to, to corporate as I was reporting into L.A. with a, a loose promise of if I prove myself. And so far, knock on wood, my career was going fairly well and. All I had, I had a wife, but I, after that, all I had was a dog and a, and a couch. So uh, we took, we packed it up and we, we, we went to Detroit and 15 months later, I was out in LA. And then, uh, you know, as there were at that time, the merger, there was, you know, Fox sports broadcast and Fox sports net were completely different 
uh, uh, businesses. They weren't, they decided to merge them together. Why shouldn't we have all the sports under one roof? So, um, you know, I was there for that first merger and then, you know, within a year was working on the broadcast properties as well. Uh, and overseeing all the RSNs, um, or marketing for all the RSNs, I should say. And, um, yeah, so that was, that was the first real foray into, uh, into I'll call it television, but we now know that that's probably a misnomer. What'd you take away from that job? It was kind of an interesting one. I think like I, 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 I definitely, um, was seeing success in my career really young and fast. And so I think it was a lot to grab hold of. I think for me is, uh, call it imposter syndrome or what have you is like, I never, yeah. And now my MBA, I think, you know, I kind of grew up doing events and selling season tickets. And next thing I know I'm here, vice president of marketing for Fox sports. And, you know, like I was, you know, at 29, 30 years old, like I wouldn't say bored, but I was just like, this, this can't be it. Um, Mm. you know, I think a lot of people take, take that arc is a lot longer and, and I just was not comfortable being uncomfortable at that point trying to push. Um, and we had our, we had our first child and, and felt like all the people I respected and was working with and learning from were all at, at the ad agencies we worked with. They're just really mm-hmm. smart, creative people. And I really enjoyed that, that, that part of it. So I thought it would be really smart to move back East where, you know, it was right after nine 11, uh, and, uh, go work at an agency, which, um, was my paid MBA. I call, it, I call it my paid MBA. It was, it was, uh, worked with some of the smartest people on the planet, but I was definitely a little bit of a square peg in a round hole. Hmm. So you go, um, versus NBC Telemundo. How, when you, when you eventually got to NBC, um, how much, what was the, the kind of the aha moment or the wow moment from when you were at the infancy of a Fox to what you were doing at NBC, how it had evolved at that point, and then obviously take us through, you know, Telemundo and the growth of Hispanic, and then, um, you know, obviously the Yes Network now, and how that all kind of progressed. Yeah, it, um, uh, I, you know, it, it, if you looked on paper and said, you know, because all the Fox guys, uh, you know, Jeff Shell and 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 all the Fox guys went to Comcast. I won't say all, but a lot of Fox mm-hmm. people went to Comcast. So that was kind of like you see these kind of like migrations within the media industry of of, of groups of people. But if you looked at my resume to that point and said, "Could you know, hi, let's hire Bill to launch Versus from Fox," you'd be like, "Oh, perfect experience." I honestly believe it. Had I not spent two three years at this agency. I wouldn't have had nearly the success. Mm. I don't think I would have been able to do it. Um, mm. Really kind of interesting. So, you know, sometimes that the, the, the learning there is like the stepping away sometimes uh, to, to, to get a, a fresh perspective on stuff and, and, and be that lifelong learner and know, know what you don't know. Um, but yeah, they, they, you know, got hired to take the outdoor life network and relaunch a brand. And that, that was, that was an amazing opportunity because the 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 brief that was given to me is how do we become uh apple T- espn's microsoft um <laughs> and and it was like it was so fun because it was such a bizarre sports network to begin with aside from the nhl it was kind of like a ragtag bunch of uh rough and tumble you know sports you have bull riding and 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 tour de france and um you know so and cage fighting and you know the ufc so you know, it was really a lot of fun to build build that brand, and then the, you know, the again merger, right? So, 
if you remember, the, the, the advent of Versus was born out of a failed hostile takeover of Disney to get ESPN by Comcast. Mm-hmm. And wow. So, Talk I, about coming full circle. Anyway. Yeah. That was a yeah. hot the, rumor right now in the summer of 23. Uh, well, that it, it's, the, you know, it's um, it was, so they, they didn't get it. So they, they, they wanted to build their own. They tried to get the rights for, or some rights from the NFL to put on what would be versus the NFL balked because it didn't have the distribution that they, they felt, you know, uh, that they needed. Um, it's kind of interesting if we get to that, come back to that at the Apple conversation, but um uh, and ultimately decided to build their own and did get the NHL's rights. And we, we were successful at kind of stealing away those tier two rights from ESPN that were underserved on those platforms. So, you know, IndyCar um, and, and others. So, um, you know, it was, it was really, you know, a lot of this experience about going through mergers and change um, really kind of prepared me. I think that the, the, now that the change and, and I, know, I could say half of it on the, the, the podcast, but going from versus in this very, you know, a uh, uh, gentlemanly culture, if you will say that, kindly culture is probably a better way, uh, mm-hmm. way to say it, of Comcast that happen to have a few, you know, content outlets um, to the, the 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 amazing cult of personality that is NBC Sports uh, and NBC Universal was was like, you know, uh, it, was, it was it was really an amazing thing to be a part of, but it, it also was not a comfortable transition. So Bill, when you came back to the world of RSNs about a year ago, correct, um, coming over to Yes, did you have any sense that this was going to be this, meaning regional sports networks, the changing nature of national versus local, regional, was going to be the hottest topic of late 22 and 23 so far? Hottest yeah. business topic, I should say. Yeah, look, I think there's obviously, um, you know, like everything is in flux. And I think um, the, you know, the, the RSN business is certainly needless to say, not anywhere immune from any of, or all of this, if anything, you know, all, all, all these rights, when you, when you have all these streamers coming in a la Apple, Amazon um, and others that, that, you know, sports content is, is just, just a, a huge driver. And we saw them jumping around a little bit, but, you know, when, when you take a look at premier leagues, like NBC sports, um, you know, we got the premier league and it was, it was gangbusters, right. I think really, really were very successful in, in kind of, you know, uh, helping soccer take a huge leap forward in the United States. And, you know, that product is now a driver for Peacock. The world cup in Spanish is a huge driver for Peacock and they've moved a lot of, it's going to be an NFL playoff game on PR, right. right? So, so I think it's kind of the disintermediation of, of these rights that are kind of, it's like all kind of coming apart to come back together again. And some other thing, mm-hmm. I think if anything, it's going to come full circle and we're going to be right back to broadcast television, which is essentially <laughs> seems to be happening um, in, in a new form and format. Uh, but that, that, you know, everyone's paying directly now. It's, it's like the, the, um, uh, the, the cable bundle, you know, a la carte just sort of happened underneath while, while no one was looking with, with streaming. So, you know, I think, I think RSNs are, are part of that, that, that transformation. And I think, you know, as, as there are in any business, there are going to be haves, they're going to be have nots. They're going to be people who are running smart businesses that are, 
that are you know poised for success and are are looking forward in in new and interesting ways. And there's there's others, regardless of scale or geography, that are gonna you know gonna come and go. But yeah, if you don't if you don't innovate, you're gonna yeah. end up somewhere in a, in a yard sale. You know. Yeah. So, um, two questions. One is, um, well, the second part is an observation. Would love you to talk about the unique value proposition that Yes Network has had, really almost as one of the first movers of the RSNs, it was Yankees, Yankees entertainment and sports, right? That's where it kind of started. Correct. Um, and it was obviously George Steinbrenner, Harvey Schiller, you know, a lot of big names who got this thing off the ground. Uh, but going back to NBC, I was, I was interesting, especially, interested, especially since knowing that Tom is such a huge Premier League fan. When that whole idea came about of, oh, we're going to put live soccer uh, on broadcast television at nine o'clock on a Sunday morning, and people will watch it even though it's not, anything being played in the United States. What was that like being in the room and seeing how that, that took off? Obviously with, you know, I would imagine it was probably John Miller, John Miller, um, Kevin Monaghan, you know, a lot and of Mark Lazarus was a big part of that too. Mark yeah. Lazarus. Yep. Right. So what was that like? I mean, did anybody ever in a million years think it was really going to get to where it is today? It's an interesting thing. That's really the first thing. Cause you think about the merger with NBC, this was really the first product I was sort of handed um, yeah. there. Uh, to say, you know, one was we're going to rebrand versus to the NBC Sports Network. Two is our first new product there is the Premier League. And, you know, uh, and I hope, you know, I have Don cover his ears, but I just felt like, you know, soccer really hadn't hit it. If you go back to 94 and World Cup, that was supposed to be the big moment uh where um where that was going to tip off the 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 MLS and professional soccer and get the interest there and it it just sort of never really materialized i think the way that they wanted it to so i i just saw the lane to drive um not to spit mix my sports metaphors but i i i said that there is no NFL of soccer in the United States and and the best team play in the world is the premier league so mm-hmm. let's go in and let's aim for that Let's fill that void. And you know what? When you take a look at that audience, there were, you know, it's it's a highly affluent audience, big cities, and 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 influential people who are, you know, going and putting on their kits on Saturday mornings and going and, you know, getting getting crazy and chanting in 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 pubs. And and they were completely underserved by Fox and ESPN because it was it was all behind paywalls, uh, or a lot of it, a lot of the good stuff was behind, and now here it is again, but neither here nor there. Um so we 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 dug in. It was really you know combination and, and John Miller, the marketing Miller who I worked for, really gave me a lot of latitude to run. Um, and um, uh, Pierre Musa, who they had given, uh, you know, he was the executive producer, and he and I just kind of locked arms. And I said, we're going to promote this thing like it's you know it's it's the biggest thing that you're missing. And try to figure a way to get people to get interested in it and knock down the barriers. Um, and he said, I'm going to produce the most authentic English soccer in America's ever seen. And and I think the combination of all of the above, you know, it's a, a great ad campaign, um, but, you know, nothing kills, a, a you know, a, a shitty product better than a great ad campaign. So the product was there from day one and the audience was there from day one. And it was really just one of those tipping moments. I think for sports and certainly for soccer, I think international soccer now is plays a huge role in um, certainly the rights game. Um, so, you know, it was it, it, for me, it was a defining moment of my career there um, and, and getting a little bit of a soundbite for having, having a win early in, in my tenure there. Uh, 
but it, it, you know, again, it takes a village. It was, it was a, a really great product put out by a, a lot of really talented people. Bill, what I found really interesting is when we all heard about that deal, I guess it, we can't remember how soon before it started that we heard about it, but it was like Saturday and Sunday mornings. That's, that's strange. Um, what's that going to be like? And looking back on it now, I, I was saying, I mentioned this often in my digital media class in the program, it was one of the most important developments in sports business and sports media of this century so mm -hmm. far, because essentially they, you, and, and you guys did a great job with it. You created a whole new day part, a whole new behavioral thing, which you very rarely see happen in sports. Sports is quite powerful, particularly these days, but you haven't seen a real um, significant change of behavior of viewing, but that idea of saying, Hey, we're going to bring this to you and we're going to reset your expectations of how you watch instead of sitting on your couch at night, watching primetime sports, you're going to get up on weekend mornings, make your coffee and breakfast and watch soccer for sometimes up to uh, four, four or five hours. And I remember when I, and I it was around the time that I got into Premier League and it became one of my favorite sports watching experiences because the other stuff, like the good stuff, NFL, middle of the day on Sundays, you have things to do, whatever. It's still not as clean as just waking up and turning on a sports broadcast. And that's what I started hearing from a lot of my friends and acquaintances and said, yeah, this is a whole new experience and I really like it. So that that's kind of an amazing accomplishment. So good for you guys. Thanks. Um, yeah, look, it's, uh, you, you could, you could go have a full day provided you didn't, you didn't drink too much, uh, during, you know, watching the games, uh, if you went to a pub or not, but yeah, I think, I think it was there. It was just lying under the surface. I think there was, there was just, like I said, there was a huge lane to drive and, and, you know, nature abhors a vacuum. So we, we filled it as best we could. And, um, but it was, it, it was, it, it, it it was the right alchemy at the right time, the right place, you know, and a lot of this stuff. And even in my career, it's just, you know, uh, I would say luck is the residue of design. Uh, sort of quote from Branch Rickey, mm -hmm. Dodgers front office that, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta see those opportunities and you gotta jump at them. And, and um, I, I, you know, I, I, I applaud the other John Miller, who it's a lot of, did a lot of the lead negotiating for that, that product. Um, and everybody there saw it. I, I don't think everyone thought it would do as well as it did as quickly as it did. I think everyone would have been happy if it, you know, we were able to kind of get it on the air and it, you know, would have, would have gained some traction. Um, but we, we, you know, tripled reach, triple ratings and revenue. in in the first season, it was a sellout. Yeah. Bill, you alluded to this a few minutes ago. I'm going to go back to the specific point you made about how this is evolving and the move to pay, pay to play or pay to watch. So when you guys were doing this, what was that? 2013 ish or so? 12? Yeah, 12. Yeah. Um, widespread distribution on NBC, both NBC network, uh, NBC sports network. And I think even, were you doing USA back then? Uh, no, not, not the, maybe a few games. What we did is um, championship weekend. We would have a game on every okay. network. But uh, in other words, it was easily accessible on channels that, Obviously, this is a, a really different landscape, you know, yes. 11 years ago. But almost anybody who wanted to give it a shot could give it a shot. No strings attached. Correct. It was Obvi obviously, that has changed. <laughs> yes. It's evolved, and it seems to be the new model for everyone. When I went to watch the much-hyped 
messy game the other day. I have Apple TV, but I do not have MLS season pass. And guess what? Boom. You want to watch this particular, because there are a couple of free games on. You want to watch this game? Subscribe here. Got to pay. Yeah. Yes. And, and did you buy, Tom, did you buy? I did not. I'm, I'm probably going to wait, hold on. Um, I'm probably going to, but I kind of wanted to understand as a consumer, frankly, how they were going to handle this balancing of free games and paid games. I'm sure you, you've been following this, being in the business you're in. And as you know, and, and this this is probably a whole marketing team sitting along with finance guys sitting uh, in the conference room figuring this out. You start with a higher ratio of free, and then you gradually bring it down. Then you move big games into the, the pay slots and things like that. That seems to be the way a lot of this is going. Yet, when I see the quarterly earnings that were just announced from Comcast, I'm sure you, you're aware of this, they did announce that Peacock had grown less than they had hoped, uh, and and the total is around $24 million, which, as right. you guys know, is about a million or a million and a half less than ESPN+. Plus. It feels like, and this is just an observation, that we're kind of plateauing with some of these sports-specific streaming services, which, of course, means you've got a much smaller, quote, addressable market for all the people you're trying to bring in from a marketing standpoint as new customers, new fans, particularly with sports that are coming to these platforms um, as their way to infiltrate U.S. sports media. It feels problematic. I'd love to get your thoughts on that. I'm not the first one to observe that, obviously, but I'm not sure what this is going to go because it seems like this is going to be a really hard calculus to overcome, particularly when you also consider the changing nature of fan consumption with younger people who in many cases are happy with the highlights are picking up pirated streams, which is super widespread with 20-somethings, as you know. So anyway, there's a lot to unpack in that question, but I'd love to get your thoughts generally on how this is going, Joe, and you can weigh in too. Uh, all right, I will try to get to all 19 parts of your question. Yeah, sorry about that. No, it's it, I couldn't contain myself. Joe I, knows I'm into this topic. No, it's, it's, yeah. I, I, this is the stuff that weighs on you heavy. Um, yeah. Look, I, I, you know, just even looking at it from from the yes standpoint, right? And and I think we have a very unique proposition, um, certainly around the Yankees here and the talent. And you know, there, there, there's a certain alchemy again that we're putting a product out that, that our fans want. Um, and we see that, but at the same time, you can watch it. There, there are 11 different outlets. You can see a Yankees game. Mm -hmm. at, at, you know, when you take a look across and you know, go through, whether it's MLB or Turner or any of the broadcast networks, you know, just, just the proliferation of all these different platforms and, and the, the pie getting cut so thin, you're right. That's like the value proposition starts getting shaky because no one platform can really have, enough enough meat on the bone you know i think peacock's an interesting one because it got a very late start um and and again sports is a driver even the, the the you know we were back in when i was there in 2018 and 19 down at telemundo and peacock was really just trying to you know find its sea legs we're like hey guys you know 20 percent of the u.s population are really kind of crazy about soccer and i i i, I we think you should Put these on there and, and and we couldn't get we couldn't get their attention and they were just not there yet right for to really kind of tackle the the hispanic marketplace um now it's a huge driver you know they're they're 
I think they did a, a million total audience delivery on 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 the first uh, the first USA match. So, um, but yeah, I look. It's and and we could sit here and talk and be like, you know, well, was was uh, was the Apple MLS deals had a money grab? And is it good for fans? Bad for fans? What's going to happen? And the answer is everything is going to is starting to end up behind a paywall. And there's there's going to be a point at which and and I sit there and you know paint about it and look I can I can afford to have a few streaming services but there comes a, there's a breaking point and then there's a breaking point at which you know there's only so much one or two hit shows are going to keep you you know say okay I'm going to stay subscribed to this because I want to see the next season of this or that if it you know if you know and, and, and to be honest really what the next your point to get to the next generation is and why at 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 yes we're really innovating isn't so much that we're concerned about distribution in the pure sense it, it it's more about providing outlets and products and services and, and ways to watch the game in new different ways that are going to appeal to as broad an audience as possible i actually think the app the app is like a huge value driver for cable subscribers let alone now that we offer it for direct to consumer because of those kind of you know advanced features and things and you know, just got off a call with somebody else, you know, just talking about other digital innovation with AI and predictive stuff, you know, before this. And that's like, that's the part of the fun part of this job is just how do we make this different in in, in a way that we now can have a, a, a value proposition that is more than just, okay, I got the rights to the game. I'm going to plunk it on here and maybe we'll do an alternate stream and, and off we go. Um, but yeah, it's, it, as I said, I think it's, it's like, everything kind of blew up and all, you know, all the pieces are kind of coming back together again. it's going to be interesting to see how it lands. But I, I just think at some point it it's, you know, again, the, the, the pie slice so thin, it, it's just gonna be hard for anyone to see that value. And I think that's kind of what you're seeing in the RSN world too, is there's only so much you can, you can do to try to, you know, keep, keep that model the way it was. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll just add one more point, if you don't mind, Joe, especially considering the fact that Apple essentially broke the mold in the MLS deal by obviating the need for regional sports network deals. They essentially bought out the RSN model uh, with Major League Soccer, which I know is probably a little bit controversial. So I'm wondering, and I know this is probably, there's probably, this is a sensitive topic, but is as, as big tech gets deeper into this where they're measuring, they have different KPIs. They're not worried about so much Nielsen ratings. They're worried about the, building their media businesses and getting more data, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'm wondering if big tech will look at this Apple model about essentially buying out the regional stuff over time. Do you see this going to any other sports potentially in the future? You know, I, it's kind of an interesting one. I think, well, here, to go back to the example of you can watch a Yankees game on 11 different mm-hmm. platforms, call it networks, platforms, what have you. The value is the Yankees, right? At the end of the day, it's it's the, the, the rights holders that they have to choose whether or not they're willing, as MLS did, to put all their eggs in one basket. Um, I, I, I think, and, and look, I, I, I've been wrong a thousand times as we all have, um, when we, you know, we spent, and, and I'm a, you know, kind of a purist and a bleeding heart when we got premier league, you know, the fact that we were saying every game on TV online 
on a in HD every week was like the huge value proposition, right? That was just like we we've we were the, we were the Pied Pipers of uh, English soccer uh, in America. Then you know we came up with the advent of of uh, NBC Sports Gold, which was a very short lived before everything got folded into Peacock. Where now we're going to put you know a uh, hundred games behind a paywall, and we would start with not putting it. You know, it's not like we're going to jam every uh, you know Manchester United or, or or Chelsea game behind there. But I was like, I think this is a mistake. You know, this is like early days. I think we're going to piss off a lot of people. I don't know how many people are going to pay for it. Boy, you know what? People ate it up. They it, again, we have affluent audiences. Tour de France, these these guys spend ten grand on a bike. You know, do you think a couple hundred bucks to watch the get get like you know biometrics and watch different TV angles means anything to them on a, on an app? So you know, it, all of that it's 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 kind of like an interesting thing for as it relates to to MLS. The reason why I, I that one scares me a little bit is. You know, and, and Messi. You know, look, there's there's only so much we know. Not sitting in those those boardroom conversations, but you know, when when you look and you say, okay, what the real big hotbeds for for MLS are Seattle and Portland and these feeder where they are the pro team sports in those cities, and now those fan and and you know, look, you're not talking about people who have you know tons of money, um, and how much are they going to be willing to pay? And and they're really being shortchanged on on what's important to them and kind of you know they they they, they uh, um you know it's it at some point it's got to be about the fan and being the marketing guy it's always about it starts with mm-hmm. the fan right even Amazon will tell you it starts with the customer right mm-hmm. so I you know who are they doing it for that's that's the question and at some point I think that value proposition could fall down that being said look they got messy. You can make acquisitions and do things that end up making it a much bit better value proposition, and and then you know and then you've solved it. So, but you know on the surface again, it's just there 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 are a lot of players with a lot of deep pockets. Let's not even get into golf. Um, I was thinking and, of that as you were talking. Yeah. That that are just go are just disrupting the way, you know that you you now have we're now disrupting the rights holders. Right. Forget about the, the the broadcasters and the media outlets. You know, they're they're people with big money coming in and saying, "Well, let's let's just create our own league." Mm-hmm. Um, last question from me. Um, looking forward, and having been around Premier League coming on board, you know, soccer now, everything you're doing with yes, are there properties, sports properties specifically, whether they are leagues or teams or new businesses that you're looking at? just as a as an industry professional whether that's you know this specter of cricket in Texas which you can say yes or no uh, I'll quickly mention pickleball and then we'll move on because I don't want to talk about pickleball <laughs> it was on um, prime time last night in ESPN Joe yeah, I was watching yeah. for a while uh, thinking of uh, you of course well and um, you know or other things that that are out there Formula one um, Formula E, um, things that you're looking at, women's sports. We didn't talk about women's sports, really. Yeah. You know, um, college sports or high school sports. Are there things that you're saying, man? If I had, you know, something and I wanted to put it in my back pocket as a marketer, as a professional, there's something that I'm really watching that has great potential. That's a that's a tough one. I'll, I'll say, look, I mean, pickleball. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll leave that for you to <laughs> bring up. Formula One's a gr- amazing case study. That's one where you know, basically, was it was like marketing. 
masterclass of, you know, create a show that gets people invested because, you know, Formula One really didn't have any any bearing in the United States. And we had it at, at, at NBC and I think we did okay with it, but, you know, mm-hmm. not, not since, um, not since uh, I drive to survive as it was on, um, I, you know, it's funny you say that I, I look, if you take a look at the major sports out there that are huge internationally, that aren't huge here, um, cricket would be one of them. Um, I think if, if you take, well, I'll call it the pickleball factor where they could, is there a way to make that cool? I think there is. I think uh, uh, rugby is is there, but it just never can seem to get its footing, and it has mm-hmm. gotten a lot of exposure. Um, I and then to leap forward, I think I think women's sports is really really the place where um, it's 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 not a momentum; it's like a moment, and, mm-hmm. and those moments and and really working. The really interesting thing is that Telemundo is we had a you know men's world cup is is everything it's it's religion um here in the u.s the women's on fox outrates the men's um or did um and and in in telemundo no no hispanics no latinos watch women's soccer so we had we had some heavy lifting to do now they do um so i think there's just an amazing amount of talent amazing amount of upside certainly in women's soccer which i think you're seeing um and and how that can translate out from you know uh to, to other sports basketball um you know i think i think it's going to be interesting to watch mm-hmm. cool tom sure i already have an idea for a part two of this podcast we're going to invite bill back so he can present his ideas on how to make pickleball cool because i just heard him say no. he thought he could and i know you're a good marketer bill but no i'd really like it. to hear your I ideas it, i think we can make cool Okay. Well, yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Just two more, two more. And I wish we had more time, but we are running out of time. So you can just give relatively short answers. I alluded to this issue before we are witnessing the fracturing of sports viewing through all these different services. You just even said yourself, 11 uh, places to see the Yankees and we can, and we've addressed some of the business considerations regarding that change. There's another side of that coin, which is how young fans are responding. So older people, like kind of what I call the hardcores, as we used to call them at the NFL, they're going to do whatever you present them with. They'll subscribe to MLS season pass. They'll subscribe to Peacock to watch Premier League or Tour de France, whatever. But we all know that to build these businesses and get bigger, you got to go to the casuals. And with such a fractured marketplace of media consumption, do you worry about how this younger audience of Gen Z and younger millennials who have, we have ample evidence that they're not as interested in, let's call them the traditional sports broadcast, the interruptive advertising, et cetera, are going to kind of grow with this change. It seems like there's two tracks and they're not really fully parallel right now. So that's my first one. You want to just respond to that for a minute or two? Yeah. I, you know, f- that's the million dollar question, isn't it? Um, I, I think for certainly for us where we are now, um, one is innovation and re- reacting to how people consume media and making the highlights, making um, cool, uh, um, you know, uh, I'll call it innovations and different products and services around the game. That, that make it meaningful. The other thing is when, when you're dealing in one of the benefits of being local is 
you know, like Yankees are, you know, this is generation to generation to generation. So, you know, really kind That's of, a good point. Into, we have the ability and a low, real local level to tap into that kind of, um, you know, that, that, that aspect of it. Okay. Um, you just mentioned the word innovation. My last question is about where this may go in terms of these enhanced, more immersive experiences. We know about the launch, the impending launch of Apple Vision Pro and this notion that there could be these virtual courtside, fieldside experiences. You know they use some of those examples in the actual launch video. You know they're in business now with one of the major leagues with apparently discussions with others and uh, happening. Do you think that we'll get to a point in the next few years once there's more adoption of enhanced viewing devices such as a Vision Pro that we will get the proverbial courtside seat options as part of this innovation expansion? Well, you know, it's always the question with innovation is who's asking for this? Hmm. Well, right? you just said that the younger people that you're responding to address the younger people who are maybe not asking for, but you're, I, I think you just said, you seem to be thinking that they want more innovation. Well, I think, I think they do. Is it a, is it a, a headset with a courtside experience? Is that really mm -hmm. what, they want? or is it, you know, is it, um, uh, you know, NFL Nickelodeon slime game? I, you know, I'm just mm -hmm. saying, or all the above. Yeah. That's an innovation. Yeah. I, you look, I think in terms of technology and, and, that specific uh, instance is the the adoption curve of those types of things are just forever, and it will change forty times before it gets anywhere. Um, you know, we, we all have three D glasses in a drawer somewhere from a TV that was you know we mm -hmm. bought along the way. So I, I I think I think and again maybe old dog new tricks. I think there are uh, well informed. Um, I think what they're doing, and I think all of this stuff will will eventually have a place in all of this, but I don't, I don't believe that that's going to be the tipping point, a pair, a pair of, uh, you know, the, the, the Apple provision. Uh, that being said, let's all keep innovating and see what sticks. Yeah, no, and I, I'm, by the way, just to clarify, I'm not suggesting a tipping point. I'm suggesting the fact that the incursion into sports media from big tech is a really interesting development because you have two things happening with big tech. One is they are building media businesses and they need really good content. So they're, and sports is bankable content. Two is they are evolving their product lines to address greater technology opportunity, more advanced technology and the opportunities that go along with them. So obviously the good example here is Apple because right. they have been known to, quote, make markets with their consumer products. So whether that takes two years, three years, five years, is almost immaterial. Um, I, I guess I'll end it with this, Bill. Do you think by the end of this decade, seven years from now, fans of all ages could conceivably have in maybe a pay-per-view, like a World Cup VR experience or something like that? Oh, I think without question. Mm. I think without question. It's just whether or not is it going to be ubiquitous or is it a, is it a premium add-on? Yeah, I mean exactly, and and the you know that you come back to these stats of the percentage of American Americans, for example, who have been to NFL games, NBA games. It's a it's a low percentage. So yeah. if you can give them a really fantastic experience, relatively affordable, compared to actually buying the physical or the digital tickets to a physical game, might look like a great deal. So anyway, I'll leave it at that.
I get a little carried away with that topic, as Joe knows. Hey, um, last two questions for you, Bill. Uh, with all the places that you go for information, have to stay smart on stuff. Where where do you go? Do you listen to podcasts? Are there newsletters or uh, particular people you follow on social? Uh, and then the, the last question is obviously you you've made some chancy uh, transitions in your job. Took some chances along the way. Uh, have been at amazing places not really knowing where they're going to go. What advice do you give to either current job seekers or people who are in transition uh, as they get to that point? So how do you stay smart? And then where do you, um, uh, what advice do you give to people? Got it. Um, you know, look, I, for in terms of gaining knowledge, I think, um, you know, obviously all the, I could line list all the sports and ad trades, uh, but we, we know all of those. I think um, there are a number of newsletters out there that uh, the, the TLDRs, the ones that are really kind of taking, you know, f fast company wired, you know, try to look ahead at those things. Other than that, I'd say the, 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 the digital algorithm has me pretty well pegged and I get a lot of stuff fed to me um, where, where, um, you know, I, I, I'm able to kind of, get at things that are popping and then be able to kind of dig deeper on various platforms. So um, I'd say just, just broadly, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of a, a, you know, media agnostic in that regard. I just, wherever, wherever, whenever I can absorb, I do. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, look, I, I think, I think the idea of, of taking risks are as important. I think the idea of looking, so I say like uh, just simple career advice is, is is how you ski moguls. I don't know if either of you are skiers, which is if you look too far down the mountain, you're going to fall. If you look right in front of you, you're going to fall. If you look a couple of moves ahead, you're, you're always going to stay right on your fall line and, and, and find your footing. So, you know, you, you got to take off the blinders and you got to not, you know, and be realistic, but, but strategically look at where do you want to be into? It's like I said, I, I want to work at a league or I'm going to go somewhere. And that took me you know, six to eight months to get there. And as you get, you know, earlier in your career, you can, you can get there a little quicker sometimes, but um, I, I just tell them to be, you know, be, be smart. You know um, the other is, is a big difference between being dissatisfied and unhappy. I think a lot of people kind of mix those two up. If, if you are somewhere and you feel like you want more, I think this is the Fox lesson for me, you know, that's dissatisfied. If you're unhappy and you're being treated poorly or whatever, you have to discern between the two of those things. Cause I think when you're younger, it's hard to, to tell what, what those two things are. And you don't want to look back and go, you know what? I might've been dissatisfied, but I really wasn't so unhappy and I shouldn't have made that move so fast. There you go. That's a great piece of advice. Excellent. Yep. So Bill, where can folks yep. find you on um, social or LinkedIn, whatever you, whatever you care to share with anybody listening? Yeah, I, I, for the business side, clearly on LinkedIn, um, I've, I've sort of slowed down on the uh, Facebook, and, you know, Instagram front a little bit, but, um, you know, those are more personal. But from a business perspective, uh, you know, I, I'm constantly updating LinkedIn with stuff I'm working on or care about. Nice. You got to give a shout out to the app. Go go to the App Store, folks, and get the uh, Yes app. It's in there right now. <laughs> absolutely. And if, uh, uh, but it is geogated, correct? It's, it's, well, you can get it, but you can't get the, the live content. Um, okay. But so if you are in the, uh, uh, the, the New York area, I'll say the, the Yankees footprint, definitely go and, and download the app. And thank you for reminding me to be a marketer. Uh, 
and uh, it is direct to consumer. Uh, so, you know, you, you, you can purchase it if you'd like and uh, uh, appreciate it. Cool. Excellent. Tom, you want to wrap us up? Sure. Um, well, everybody, we've been listening to having a great combo with um, sports industry veteran, someone with a fantastic set of experiences under his belt and now doing some really cool things in a very hot area of the business. Yes, Network and RSNs, uh, Bill Bergefin, who's the um, head of marketing and creative at Yes. So check out what they're doing at Yes. Check, Reach out to Bill if you want to chat. He's a wonderful guy. Uh, Bill, real delight to have you on the show. Thanks for making time for us. This is great. I really appreciate it. Joe, another great episode. Thank you. Uh, enjoy this combined summer of soccer and heat. And uh, hopefully we'll be back. I know you're on vacation next week, so it might be a couple weeks to the next show. But we'll get hopefully a couple more in before we head back to Columbia to the campus. In about, as I was reminded today, six weeks from the day I had a meeting the other day with LJ, uh, I was like, wow, okay, that's happening fast. Anyway, thanks everybody for listening. By the way, if you have any thoughts on individuals we may want to talk to, topics you may want us to cover, please reach out uh, to Joe, uh, at Joe Fav, who's still who's still working, grinding away on Twitter, unlike me, Convergence Next. TR, who's been dialing it down. Yeah. Thanks to the changes at Twitter. That's a whole nother topic, Joe, for, yeah. for another day. Um, but thanks, everybody, for listening. Feel free to reach out. Enjoy the summer, and we'll see you in the next episode. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.